and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. I'm Drew. And I will never grow up. And I have said that so many times that I can do it on autopilot now. I know, right? (laughs) 134 episodes. It's crazy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, not including bonus episodes. That's not including bonus episodes or any mini extras or any of the it's your favorite musical yes exactly which we really should get back to at some point Mm. this one is for you more than anything else yeah it's january january (laughs) and we're going uh second star to the right straight on till morning yes indeed i finally get it right yeah you did yes congratulations it's a first time for everything i always used to think it was straight on till midnight <laughs> sure. Which at least it began with the right letter. Mm-hmm. But this is one that I know is incredibly important to you. Not necessarily this film. Definitely not this film. But this story is one that's incredibly important to you. Mm-hmm. As we talked about back in October with Bat Out of Hell. Yeah. <laughs> because we are about talking about 1953's mm-hmm. Disney adaptation of Peter Pan. Yes. I have definitely watched this one as a kid. Mm -hmm. It's not a Disney that I have revisited really since being a youngish kid. Yeah. I don't think I'll have watched it since I was maybe like six or seven. And I think the only real time I've had anything to do with this iteration of Peter Pan is watching Return to Neverland when that came out in the early 2000s. Which that movie's great. But also Kingdom Hearts where you have like the... Peter Pan levels. Oh, sure. So I really haven't got much on this one, bar knowing that this is maybe one that has not aged very well. Yes, it definitely hasn't aged well. It didn't age well at the time. That's the thing with this one, is that it's not like... like So when we watched Dumbo, yeah, we talked about how people at the time were like, yeah, for sure, this is what black people are like with the bird characters whereas here people were like yeah no (laughs) we don't like this so even in the 50s there was pretty immediate uproar Mm -hmm. about it that's interesting yeah because the thing is when peter pan originally came out so peter pan and wendy the play yeah came out the version of the Native American characters that we're seeing were not controversial because the idea was that it was all seen from the fictional child's perspective and, like, this is what they think Native Americans are like, blah, 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 as opposed to an adult narrative. You know, this story is for children. But, or for the child inside us all, that kind of nonsense thing. But also... There is no way to, yeah, I'm going to say this. There's no way to make the Native Americans in this story good. Like there is, there's no way to make them not controversial because first of all, there is no reason for them to be in the story. Yeah. Like while it's, Nice. And so there are versions of it nowadays. If you are somebody that watched during lockdown the Christopher Walken Peter Pan live, 
with that version of Peter Pan the musical, they actually took steps to try and improve upon the storytelling and also made sure that they cast accurate casting for it. So they had actual Native American people playing the Native Americans, which that is good. Yeah. As opposed to something like Pan, where they cast a white woman as Tiger Lily, and that was just like, what even is happening here? That whole movie is so strange. Is Pan the one with like... Hugh Jackman? No, is... his was... Um... Oh, no, I guess it was Pan. Pan. Where he, yeah, he sings... Here we are now, entertainers. Smells like Pan's spirit. Yeah, he sings that in that film for no reason. I didn't watch that one. Yeah. I, I The story of Peter Pan doesn't really resonate with me as much. You know, like, really the best version of the Peter Pan story I've seen is Once Upon a Time. And for me, that was because, like... <laughs> no, but that's because they, they went the unexpected way. Mm -hmm. Peter Pan isn't a story that's, like, sacred to me, like it is for a lot of people. Yeah. And I've watched Finding Neverland, the film, and I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I've not seen Finding Neverland, the musical, which I would love to see at some point. Yeah. But Peter Pan isn't one that really has that importance to me like it does a lot of people mm -hmm. it's not one of those like for me hercules is probably a more important disney film than peter pan is yeah you know how some people are like oh mary poppins is my disney film mm -hmm. for me i mean it is the renaissance era you know the the uh, 90s oh yeah say my disney film i guess is beauty and the beast you know they're not the trash new one but well i mean in the same way aladdin probably is up there as well and you know lion king is up there but this one isn't one that really the character resonates with me or has that importance yeah no i was a 2004 jason isaacs peter pan kid and that movie's incredible but again and it's more for the filmmaking with that one and the way that they tell the story but again the way that the natives are used because it it just it just makes no sense it just makes no sense it never does there's all this weird stuff where they love to make reference to some incredibly racist sounding story yeah. about how native american skin color comes from the fact that one of the like original Native Americans was kissed by a girl and he blushed and his skin stayed that color. Why that's important that's is really bad. Irrelevant to the rest of the story. Why is it in there? And then again, they have a reference to that in the 2004 version. So like, again, why is it there? When really the, the like where this comes from is the tribe that is described in Peter Pan and Wendy is a mashup of people who get shipwrecked on this island, right? And they are very stereotypically Native American. Yeah. But it's also inferred that some of them are Australian natives and some of them are from other places, like, you know? And it's just... So I think more lost and people surviving on the island than anything else is what it could be yes but they are be. described as being quote unquote savages 
because they all it's basically lord of the flies style like they all become feral essentially for living on this island which i think is a really good idea and obviously we've got the peter pan and wendy coming to disney plus and i am so interested to see how they try and deal with this but i think that would be a much better way of doing it is have it be that they're this they're they're seen as the savages because Mm -hmm. you know not in the way that pocahontas and peter pan depicts them but just more like lost uh, people who have landed on this island and they have no kind of respect for the natural area of Neverland. Yeah. You know, they're outside. I mean, Neverland as well, is it kind of seen as like a heaven? You know, is it, you know, did Peter Pan die and all the, the lost boys are all lost because they died? Could you say that they're survive? They're not even survivors of shipwrecks. They're people who's they've died in shipwrecks well so people love to argue about this (laughs) and there is a line in the original book which i do have next to me right now but in the original adaptation of the book so obviously peter pam is a play first have you seen finding neverland yes we need to watch tell you what that stage show that needs to come here because i think finding neverland is a better story than peter pan just because of the musical version, yeah. just because of the way that that story is told and the use of Hook as a mental foil to J.M. Barry. And, but it does definitely become J.M. Barry is not a real person. He's like a fictional character yeah. in this. I'm sure he wasn't anything like what they try and make him like in these films. You know, he was a very traditionalist English gentleman who was just a little bit eccentric. Yeah. And also super racist because of course he was you know it's the same thing we see though in a lot of these things where we tell like the stories of how these stories were written or came about you know like yeah of course they're going to highlight certain features they want in this person Mm -hmm. especially because with peter pan you you know if you're telling sort of jay and barry as well you probably have to go through the rights and well exactly and that's one of the things where people have talked about with this version of peter pan that it's almost untouchable because of the way in which it was made so walt disney had been trying for years to get the rights to make peter pan yeah and as many people know at the time the rights belonged to the great ormond street children's hospital which has the peter pan statue outside of it there's murals everywhere in there of peter pan and that was very nice of him to leave all of the rights to them because it made them a lot of money yes And especially when they negotiated the contract with Disney, the rights to a live action adaptation actually belonged to a different film studio. So Disney bought the rights to make an animated version because he wanted to make a live action to start with. And he had been in a play of Peter Pan when he was a kid. He had seen the tour of the, the play that he really wanted. I think one thing that people can really agree on with Walt Disney is that he very much had that inner child yeah the whole never grow up like he definitely saw himself as peter pan Mm -hmm. the same as jm barry yes so this is a story he really resonated with and he actually played peter pan cool and his brother was the rigger who did the flying for him and at one point the rope snapped and he landed in the audience (laughs) which is a just a fun quirky little story so he really really wanted to adapt this story now 
it's not great. It's not a very good adaptation. Because I was surprised when I was looking at the runtime of this. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. So it is quite short, which is what we've seen with a lot of these original Disney's. And obviously the medium of animation was very time consuming, very expensive. Mm -hmm. You would have shorter films because of it. Yeah. But again, it does, you know, there's a lot there that you're probably missing out on. A lot of like Neverland lore, a lot of Neverland character development Mm -hmm. that you're missing out on. And, you know, a lot of maybe favourite sequences or characters that don't get the recognition or the time they deserve. Yeah. So there have been versions of Peter Pan that have tried to fix the racism problem. If you've seen Hook. Yes. There are no... Native Americans in Hook at all. They yep. entirely left that whole situation out of it, which I think is a good thing. Mostly because we also, with the racism that is going on here, fall into the... I don't know how to describe it other than exotic romance between Tiger Lily and Peter. Yeah. And... It's one of those things where people consider this character to always be really sexy. But she's a literal she's child. She's a literal child in this version. In other versions, she's an adult, which then, is fine. But Peter's not. No, Peter's not. But then there's other versions where she's not at all interested in him yeah. because she shouldn't be. Because the only person in Neverland who doesn't age is Peter. Yeah. So she would be older than him. Yeah. Then you've got, uh, there was a version of the musical in 2010 in Stratford where the tribe were turned from, the tribe is how they describe them, from Native Americans into the Amazons. And they decided that these mythical warriors, the Amazons, would be a better thing to do because first of all, it means you can have an ensemble that is entirely female play those roles. So far more in line with Wonder Woman. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. And having them be these sort of mythical people. Yeah. Personally, I've read alternate tellings of Peter Pan where they're just a different kind of fairy. So you've got like the Tinkerbell fairies and then you've got the... Because she's a pixie. And then you've the got... Yeah, which thing, I yeah. quite like. I think that's quite cool. But the role of the Native Americans in these shows and in this version is to be both exotic and savage. Yeah. And it's meant to be this whole thing of like, well, this is what they're like, isn't it? Specifically, there is a song in this version called What Makes the Red Man Red. Yeah. And first of all, it's a trash song. Like, it's terrible. Also... It's telling some really harmful stereotypical stories. There's three miniature stories within it. Oh, yeah, there is. And they suck. And they're all very, very stereotypical. You have the random sexism of these Native Americans, which, from everything I have been led to believe about actual historical Native American tribes, wasn't a thing. So far as I know, I mean, feel free to correct me. I'm yeah. sure we have listeners who know much more about this than I do from the amount of research that I've done. But it just is a choice. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and that's the that's the worst thing 
It's not like they've done research. It's not like Walt Disney at the time was like, yeah, this is not great. Let's make it this way. Because again, the difference is J.M. Barry is an English guy. He basically never left England. He would not have known anything true about Native Americans because anything he was told about them would have been from books or from people who were sensationalizing their yeah. own stories. Walt Disney's American, you know, and Americans get taught their own history, albeit not well, not from... History is written by the winners. Yeah, not from both sides, but, you know, there's a little bit more there, you would think. Or he could have brought in a consultant. Yeah. Or something, you know, and I don't feel like it's difficult. No, and I think that is kind of like a huge black mark against this <laughs> as a film and as a property like probably why it's not necessarily looked on or remembered in the same sentence as other mm -hmm. they're very careful with what they show of peter pan you know tinkerbell almost exists outside of peter pan well she does now because the tinkerbell movies are actually fantastic yeah. like they're very well told they're quite dark in a way some of the stuff in them but also, it's just one very small part of Neverland. Yes. And that's all we get to see of it. They have actually introduced Hook now. Oh, in really? The into yeah. The... I like those movies. <laughs> but that's it. And, and again, the same way that Once Upon a Time, when it came to looking at what they do with Peter Pan, the fact that Peter Pan wasn't necessarily given the same prestige as other Disney properties, and they chose to re-kind of consider him as the villain and Rumpelstiltskin's father... Mm -hmm. which is a part of why I really enjoyed that arc because it was so different. I was like, oh, God, Neverland and Peter Pan, that's going to be so dull. Yes, I like Hook, but oh, I don't care so much. about. And they made those changes, and I think they've got to be very selective of what they show. It's like, you know, the You Can Fly sequence is probably the most prolific bit of Peter Pan, mm -hmm. but that's before they even get to Neverland. Yeah. You know, there's a lot, I think, that if you see those, if you see the bits of Peter Pan, it's usually like, here we go, as they fly out the window. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily see much else. So it's almost like Disney are aware of their history of this one, and they know that they can't use it in the same way they would rely on other earlier licenses. Yeah. Is that, I mean, the key reason why you're not a fan of this one, or is it more just the adaptation it definitely plays into it. It's painful to watch the Native American scenes. Yeah. And the way that they're talked about and the way that they're treated is awful. And it makes this film unwatchable, in my opinion. My other issue with it is, <laughs> this is a really bad adaptation of Peter Pan. And why is that? Because they cut out anything that would make you like him as a person. Yeah. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So there's a lot of lore surrounding Peter Pan, which you know because you bought me the Peter Pan Neverland Dungeons and Dragons compatible. Yeah, 5e compatible. Yeah, by Andrew Cobb, which is an, an incredible book. I highly recommend it. It's, You're currently planning a campaign to run with us. I am, and it's nice to be using something that isn't Wizards of the Coast. Right now especially, yes. Yes, so I highly recommend the Andrew Kolb books because he's also done The Wizard of Oz, 
and I'm hoping there's more to come. Yes. But who would before we do? Who would you like to see, or what like fantasy world would you like? The labyrinth. The labyrinth. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I'd be very happy. Cool. <laughs> but they they really made Peter Pan an unlikable guy. Yeah, and I think it's really difficult there. You know, when you've not got somebody that you can look at and really like mm-hmm. as your lead, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to watch this because do I watch it resonating with Hook being that I really like the Once Upon a Time version of Hook? Mm-hmm. Will I watch this be like, you know, he's not likable either. Who do you root for when you don't have an insert character? And maybe the whole point of this is your insert character is supposed to be Wendy. Yeah. Which will be interesting because it's very rare that films with a male gaze mm-hmm. try to position their viewers with, you know, a female focus outside of like horror. Because, you know, within horror, um, the horror genre has methods and action films they have methods that kind of... Mm, signposting the characters more masculine for the viewers via the male gaze yeah in this i don't think there's going to be anything like that you know wendy is going to be i don't know how old 10 year old girl Mm -hmm. so is she the insert character but that is quite difficult because i don't think the film is written so much to be wendy is our placement but it wouldn't surprise me because alice in wonderland Cinderella, Snow White, there's been a lot of success for Disney so far in having a female protagonist as our entrance into this world. So maybe, and maybe that is the arc that Peter Pan starts off as this like amazing mythological figure that Wendy's enamoured with, mm-hmm. but then actually experiencing it, you see that hero disappointment, you know, never meet your heroes that Wendy goes through. I just feel like it's better done in other places. And in other versions, and definitely in this version, they have cut specific sequences on purpose because it's animation, you know, there are no mistakes. Yes. And they've taken out things that made, gave him a soul, you know? So the one of the things that they decided when they were making this film was that they were going to start right when Peter shows up at the window. Not for the first time, for the second time. So we already have a shadow in the drawer in the bedroom. We're already uh, aware that Wendy knows who Peter Pan is and he comes in through the window at night to get his shadow back. And then for some reason they cut him crying and... Anything that would humanise him or make him... Yeah, because the thing that you're... He's not fairy he's not some otherworldly being he's a kid yeah and i think other versions just make him more obviously a child obviously he is granted some kind of magic through the fairies of neverland because obviously he doesn't age and he doesn't fly but he does fly you know that's what i meant but we just lose this bit of him that has those childish reactions to things it's you almost know? like, like Dis- he gets frustrated and he cries so maybe what disney's done here is he's written the version of peter pan that he well, i don't know how involved Walt disney is it but the version here is the one he wanted of like hero worship of you know flawless mm-hmm. figure 
but in doing so they lost some of the humanity that made the character good yeah interesting one of the other things i think that you know just to go back to the legacy of this one i think it's very telling that really one of the few things we've seen peter pan in in recent years was the chippendale mm-hmm. rescue rangers reboot that obviously had your aged pan character who is the villain i hated that so much but again isn't that interesting as a this is what walt disney have decided to do with this character and this ip that they almost know that they can't use it in its current state so they've chosen to kind of put him with ugly sonic as this joke Mm. uh, interesting that you know that's where peter pan ended up or at least the disney iteration yeah and it will be interesting to see you know peter pan and wendy and see if they can restore and right the wrongs i i really don't know what to expect from this one i know there's going to be a huge chunk of it that i don't like mm-hmm. obviously uh we've talked about the racist caricatures here we probably won't touch upon them again we'll probably gloss over those sequences when we get there yeah but Outside of that, I don't know how I'm going to find the characters, how I'm going to find the songs. I remember some of them. I think there are some that sound really amazing and some that just I wouldn't listen to outside of the film because they're just not great. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would listen to any of these songs outside of the film. It's interesting. There's only one that I am forced to listen to every time I watch a Disney film. But Which one's that? Da, 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 da. That's not. That's not. That's Pinocchio. That's when you wish upon a star. Yeah, but it's also the second star to the right. They're the same song. Yeah, I see it more as as when you wish upon a star. But I, you know, fair enough. Mm-hmm. It, I I do feel like I'm probably going to come out of this one maybe enjoying a bit more than you. Have you watched this one recently? Or is this one that you've really not touched for a while because you don't like it? Nope. I don't like it. <laughs> I haven't watched it. I fairly regularly watch Hook, the 2003 Peter Pan yep. live action with Jason Isaacs, and the Kathy Rigby musical version because it's amazing. <laughs> it's just a good show. Yeah. You know? But not this one. But not this one. Do you think there's a chance you might watch it with newfound appreciation? With Probably me? not. <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to find out because there's a knock at our window. Somebody's come looking for their shadow. Mm-hmm. We're, we're off to the second star on the left and straight on till morning. Did I get it right? No. <sighs> I lost it. Second star on the left is the wrong direction. You're going to get lost. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting, going to Saturn, I think. Yeah, we're going to be somewhere else. Yes, well, we're off to Neverland and hopefully we shall come back fairly unscathed. Mostly scathed. After intermission. Yes, indeed. See you very shortly. And we are back. Yes, we have returned to London via Golden Flying Pirate Ship. Hmm. And we're ready to tell the tale of Peter Pan. There is nothing about this version of Neverland that would entice me to stay. And that's the idea. That's the point. (laughs) 
it feels like Neverland should be up there with Wonderland, which would make a great 5e edition as well. Like, imagine having Alice in Wonderland. Mm. That would be good. That would be creepy. That would be like a horror game. Well, especially with what they've done with Peter Pan and Wendy and the Lost Boys within their world. Could you imagine, like, what the Hatter is or, you know, yeah, other things? terrifying. It feels like Neverland has this romanticism like wonderland does but it's you know it, you watch this it doesn't feel as zany as wonderland is it just feels like a generic island somewhere that's not been discovered mm-hmm. and i don't know if it should be more wonderland and a bit more eccentric or out there or if you know it should be different but there really is very little of this neverland that makes you want to be there yeah I think as as adaptations go, this is the least creative Walt Disney, like one that he's helmed story. Yeah. And I think it probably comes down to rights and licensing to do with Great Ormond Street not really being willing to negotiate and just saying, okay, yeah, you can have the rights, but here's the story. This is what you're working with? Possibly. That might be very much a, a factor in this. Because you think about this compared to Mary Poppins. Yeah. There is so much artistic license taken with Mary Poppins that actually it reaches a point of being completely it's Mary in, Poppins name in name only. Alone, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the story. But with this one, it's very much a paint by numbers, except we don't have... We're missing some of the colours, so yeah. we're just not going to do them. Kind of it's storytelling. Instead of using all the colours of the rainbow, we're maybe using three. Yeah, and that's four. it. Yeah. <laughs> and they just decide to forget about all of the important stuff to do with Peter Pan as a character. Yeah, and it does feel like this Wonderland isn't a place that I would necessarily want to visit. Mm. It, it doesn't feel exciting to be there. No. You know, if I was a kid who'd heard all the stories of Neverland going, you know, growing up and then I go there, I kind of be like, oh, is this it? Yeah. It's like going, you're like, oh, we're going to go to Disneyland. You get there and it's just Tomorrowland. Yeah. You know, it's just like. And like, like, that's it. Yeah, it's just one part of it. (laughs) Not that Tomorrowland isn't great. I love Tomorrowland. But you know what I mean. You want everything. You want the clash of everything. I want to see all of it. Yeah. I was going to say you more end up at like, you know, a place on a seaside coast with a pier but you know oh sure we do get the unskippable disclaimer with this one thank goodness again important yes and we go into our overture which is the second star to the left you keep doing this right how do you get this wrong i forget my lefts and rights anyway (laughs) it's not the same I, i i think this is a really pretty way to start the film you know i like the adult voices and it's much more like song of the time as opposed to musical theatre. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, we've got the, the really nice, like, credit sequences. I like how each of the credit cards has a different part of the story to it. Yeah, the one with the mermaids is my favourite. I think it's very pretty. I really like the Lego of Peter Pan that hasn't continued because it's, you know, Peter Pan and the T is the red feather that's mm-hmm. in his cap as opposed to the more frequent, like cursive gold yeah but we also do get the shout out to great ormond street which is like maybe the second thing we see after the yeah it's a thank you yeah to great ormond street being like 
Thank you so much. Yeah, Thank you for letting us make this film. The RKO pictures, then we have the Peter Pan, and then we have Great Ormond Street. So it's placed with some good emphasis. Mm-hmm. And our opening narrator says, all this has happened before. And it will all happen again. Yes. Incorrect. Uh, the correct I, opening is all children grow up except for one. It doesn't make sense to me because the narrator kind of disappears again. That you know, The, the narrator disappears about 10 minutes in. Yeah, and never to be heard from again. But it doesn't actually make sense. Like, is there an implication that Peter... Obviously, we know in Hook... Peter came back for Wendy, but he lost track of time. And no, Wendy the was voice up. actor who was saying this yeah. is Mr. Darling. Yeah, so is yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Is, is the implication that this is Mr. Darling speaking at the end, and he's remembering that maybe Peter came for him as a child? It it doesn't go anywhere as opening no. narration goes, and the storytelling of it is just kind of like, well, this is how Jay and Barry spoke when delivering the play or when doing this. So we're going to keep this aspect, but we're not actually going to make it work. Mm. Well, and this is one thing that they have changed for this version, but also simultaneously makes no sense and also seems to sort of try to get more of that male audience, maybe. And I'm going to hop around a bit with this, but... So, Mr. Darling at the end of this film, sees the ship flying home. Or, well, the cloud version of the ship flying home because we're not going to have it be... Yeah, the silhouette over the moon. ...necessarily real. Could have been all a dream. Who yeah. knows? But he sees it and he says, oh, I'm certain I've seen that ship before, implying that he was at one point a lost boy. Yeah. And that's fine. However, in every other version of this... Wendy's mother is the one who has met Peter Pan before. Yes, because it says, you know, Peter chose this location because the darlings believed in him except the dad. Um, you know, that Mrs. Darling has told these stories to Wendy. And now Wendy tells the stories yeah. to her brothers. So where have these stories come from? Is Peter Pan a popular myth in this world already? No. So she's... You have to have known him. So that's the thing. So, But he... so. there's this law to Peter Pan where he shows up in your dreams sometimes because Neverland is the world of imagined dreams of children. So... Which is why this version of Neverland has pirates, mermaids and the Native Americans because that's what all these That's what the kids ask for. Yeah. But there are versions of Peter Pan described where Neverland is nicely packed with one adventure happening after another yeah. and all the seasons happening on the island at the same time so you can always go wherever you want like if you the want to, region yeah if you want a snowball fight you go to where it's snowing and you have a snowball fight if you want it to be a sunny day a long summer's day where you can yeah. just lie in a field you can do that and then you have all the stories about the different animals that live on the island. And Wendy in the book well, that's the thing as well, has a pet wolf. And that's the thing as well, because you've also got like the Never Beast in the... The saddest Tinkerbell movie ever made. Yeah, but you've, you've got nothing kind of otherworldly or exciting in this version of Neverland. You might have the odd... I mean, you've got TikTok Croc, who is great. I love the crocodile. But I think this is why other versions of this make the crocodile huge. And not just our Dungeons & Dragons version, but in Hook. Yep, the crocodile's Hook. giant in the 2003 version. It is a big 
crocodile and that's there to be sort of you know while it is wendy's imagined world yeah everything is sort of enhanced you know again like wonderland where you have uh, animals that should be small or big and animals that are big or small it's it's played yes. up because it's a child's imagination and it's the same with peter like uh, there's the lines that are in the original story where it's when peter was sad it would rain and when he was happy that like the clouds would part and the summer come out again it's fully determined by his feelings yeah because neverland is a place that exists because he exists yes and here we're just going with i guess wendy made this story up one time mrs darling doesn't know anything about the shadow no when in every other version including the original she's she's the one that finds it yeah she sees the boy at the window. She slams the curtain down. Because she knows. Because there's a boy in their room. Yeah. And she finds his shadow and she rolls it up and puts it away. Is Peter Pan ever seen as something like Santa Claus? Or at least, you know, in the ver- the, the Santa Clauses that we watch this Christmas where children can know there's proof and know that he exists because they see him. But as they grow up, they stop believing in the magic. Is Peter Pan ever seen like that? You stop being able to fly as soon as you agree to grow up okay so mrs darling would obviously know who peter pan is and still be like oh it's peter mm-hmm. maybe wouldn't want him taking their kids away because she knows what he's like from her own adventures yeah. but she'll always believe in him she just knows what he's like well and if you think about return to neverland which you've seen right yeah but what a while ago at the end of that movie yeah. wendy it's wendy's daughter well wendy yeah. sees peter pan again and she says hello boy which is always one of those lines that sort of gets me a little bit. And he tries to make her fly again. She can't because she's an adult. Which we know again with Hook, like he eventually goes back, but he's left it too late because Neverland, he lost track of time. He comes back and she's... Which is why everything in Neverland is stuck. Maggie Smith? Yes. Is it Maggie? Yeah, Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith is Wendy, yeah. Yeah. And he falls in love with Moira, which is her granddaughter. Yeah, so kind of Return to Neverland could still be canon with Hook as well, which is interesting. So we we go into the kids' playroom and uh, Michael and John are Mm -hmm. playing Peter Pan. And Wendy is, we're told, the supreme expert on all things Pan. Even though she's wrong about which hand was cut off. Oh my God, this made me so angry. (laughs) I don't even know why. I think it's because I'm a 2003 Peter Pan person. Jason Isaacs, when he was Captain Hook, learnt how to fight left-handed just because he in the story peter pan cut off his right hand and fed it to a crocodile it's literally written right there (laughs) and walt disney was like no no it was the left hand and i'm like what no it wasn't oh my god i will say this my favorite part of this whole film is 100 percent nana yeah she's great right she is brilliant i don't know what qualifies her to be a nursemaid but i would trust our future babies with nana i love that she comes in and she corrects the uh blocks that she puts on back up in its bac and she replaces it as abc mm-hmm. i love the bit where one of the boys says you're an insolent pup and she looks triggered like how dare you how dare you that's rude and she spills the little tonic on her hand she licks it up and it's like oh it's gross there's so much like character and humanity and personality to her the way she covers her eyes with her ears 
she is 100% my favourite character in this. Yeah, so the, the description of having a nanny or a nursemaid yeah. is what it's called in, in the book is that Mr. Darling, while they don't have quite as much money as their neighbours where they live, must be seen to have as much money. So obviously they have to have a nanny for their children yeah. as opposed to raising themselves, God forbid. Um, so... They find Nana, who belonged to no one in particular before they, she was taken on. But in here it says, It was a lesson in propriety to see her escorting the children to school, walking stately by their side when they were well behaved, and butting them in, back into line if they strayed. And that she would wait in the basement of the school, where the nurses wait. And they all sat on little chairs while Nana lay on the floor. But that was the only difference. So she literally just, she's a, a really well-behaved dog. I want to see a Disney Plus she's series. Dog. About Nana being so Not stressed. Not to say Nana, I want to see like the League of Nannies. And it's basically where all these Mary Poppins figures come from. Mm-hmm. And they're all, they all go Nanny to... Nanny McPhee. Yeah, Mary and they all Poppins go there. And you know, and you have Nanas there and you have both iterations of Mary Poppins because... Obviously, know, yeah. Um, but I think it'd be a really interesting like <laughs> sure. Disney Plus or, you know... Disney film type thing, the School of Nannies. Sure. Uh, Mr. Darling comes in and he's not really one for stuff and nonsense. He's very Mr. Banks. He doesn't like anything to make them look other. Yeah. So he's like, well, I'm sure my neighbour's children don't behave like this. Yes. Even though he would have no way of knowing that. But that's... Because the only version of other people's children he would have seen is either them being walked to school, where they're behaving prim and proper, or when people would tout their kids out just of an evening for like an hour and then, okay, back up to the nursery you go. Yeah. You know, where they're expected to behave. Sound of music. Well, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking more Downton Abbey, but yeah. But that's the thing is he comes across very Mr. Banks. He doesn't really have a hand on his kids. You know, he comes and he wants to know where his little... um, Shirt front. Shirt front is. Mm-hmm. And where his cufflinks are. And he finds it and it's their map. And he's all angry about how it's his only clean one. But it has chalk on it. He blames Wendy for all of it, which feels incredibly misogynistic. Yeah, for putting nonsense into the boys' heads. Yes, but, you know, he should be blaming the boys because they're the ones who have drawn on it. But instead he blames the, the daughter. Yep. So he's a misogynist. Yep. I like that he calls Hook Captain Crook and we have Peter Pirate. I think that's nice and funny because it does show like... He's just not listening. He's not listening and he's so far removed. I did wonder if his voice was supposed to sound like Hook because I know there are other versions Mm. um, where that's how it's played off. Traditionally, that's how it's played, yeah. um, And in the same way with Jumanji as well is, you know, we have Robin Williams' dad is then the hunter. Oh, sure. I haven't seen that film for like 10 years. But, you know, it's the whole idea of, like, daddy issues. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, again, it's... I know we're not watching the 2003 version, but there's a really weird line in that film, and it's the one thing that always made me go, like, huh? So Jason Isaacs, in traditionally, is both Mr. Darling and Captain Hook. Yeah. And then there's this line where Wendy sees him for the first time as Captain Hook. And she says, um, it's like when Wendy looked into those red eyes, uh, she was not afraid, but entranced. And it's like, okay, (laughs) that's her dad, but sure. Mr. Darcy, just Mr. Darcy, (laughs) 
Nice. <laughs> Mr. Darling. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Darling says that it's time Wendy had a room of her own and everyone's all shocked by it and sad. Like even Mrs. Darling is like, oh, no, I would be excited. Like, yes, I finally get my own room. But it means she's expected to be grown up now, yeah, though. And but she's not ready for that, obviously. And then, out of interest, how old do you think Wendy is? Uh, I said in the preamble, I think ten. Mm. So I would guess ten, mm. maybe eleven. Mm. I don't know. What, what do we ever explicitly know? No, I just think based on the animation of her, she looks like a preteen. Yeah, she looks like she should be out of the nursery by yeah, now. Yeah, she probably should be. Although, I, I'm going to jump again to the end because some of Mr. Darling's most interesting stuff is in this like one minute sequence right at the end. Oh, the bit where, you know, um, he steps on a skate or something and everything goes flying. No, that's in this bit. No, no, he, at the end of the film. Oh, at the end of the film. He, as they're coming back up the stairs from whatever party they were at, he, Mrs. Darling is like, are you really? You won't really make Wendy move into her own room yet, will you? She, like she so loves being in the nursery, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I never mean anything when I say these things," because he was in like a fit of anger. Yeah, he never tells Wendy that. No, she just fully believes that that was her last hurrah as a child, and now she has to be an adult. But he does say like, "You're not going to move in." At the end, he does say to her that you know you're mm. not moving in, but he doesn't explain why. Yeah. We get that brilliant bit where he does kind of like slip on something in the messy room. It's like a roller tie on roller skate kind of thing. And him and Nana both get injured and you get the poor Nana and everyone runs off and he's like, poor Nana? Yeah, he looks up because he thinks they're all coming to check on him yes. and they're not. He like puts himself up like, oh, I'm so hurt and hard done by. And I do really love it. You know, like it's a really, I remember that bit as a kid. And he says this brilliant line as he leaves where he's like, there'll be no more dogs for nursemaids in this house mm -hmm. which is a really good line he goes to tie her up and he's looking around for things and nana's so helpful like gives him the uh, rope and he's like and, and then gives really cute puppy dog eyes and it melts his anger a little bit he's like look i'm sorry you're very good at what you do but i'm just having a bad day right now and everyone's got to grow up eventually yeah unfortunately i do like that mrs darling also does try to defend mr darling to the kids you know, he's not a bad man. He's just doesn't understand things, doesn't remember what it's like to be young. Mm. And as she goes to leave, Wendy says to not shut the window uh, as Peter Pan left his shadow there. And she's like, OK. And then she warns Mr. Darling about it. And he's all like, he dismissive. does the best. He's like, <gasps> oh, no, whatever shall we do? Peter Pan. <laughs> Scotland Yard. It's so mean. Yeah. I do really like his animation. He's this, you know, he looks like the butler from The Aristocrats. He does not, but I know what you mean. But you know what I mean? It's like that shape. He's got like the thin legs, but the big belly and, yeah. you know, angular nose. And as they walk off, we hear the doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo, which yeah. I really love the pan pipes. I had to ask you what they're called and I'm kind of embarrassed by it. You know what he's named for though, right? God Pan? Yeah. Yeah. So hence pan pipes. But I love that and we see it, but we get the really creepy illuminated face that makes him look Where well, he's got the bandit mask, yeah. Yeah. Creepy dude, he's kidnapping some children. I feel like the animation of him isn't endearing. No. The way he's designed as a character, he looks kind of mischievous like Puck. Yes, that's definitely the the way that he's described is 
he's more puck than yeah boy but the problem is again i look at this guy and that's our first introduction to this character who everyone loves and i'm seeing this i'm like oh i don't like him mm-hmm. and i just feel like the, the the design of it isn't as great as i would have remembered it as a kid yeah he um i i really like the tink music mm-hmm. you know um as she's she's flying about as well there's a nice bit as they go through into the window and you know you have tink this is weird but you know the music in the whole sequence when she's looking at her butt in the mirror yeah she like brings her hands up and she looks shocked that's such a weird thing to include in a kids film so i couldn't corroborate this with any research but she's meant to be based on marilyn monroe yes i've heard that frequently like Mm -hmm. she's inspired by but i think it's one of those things that's just said yeah and isn't actually backed up by anything interestingly this is the first uh film version of peter pan to have a boy play peter really yep before that was always a woman and they actually were going to have mary martin who was playing peter pan in the stage musical at the time voice peter yeah um and then roy disney walt's brother decided that he didn't like it because she sounded like a mature woman rather than a little boy which is fair as a you know mm. choice for why we're doing it. I have to say I'm very surprised we don't get as much Tinkerbell in this film as I thought we were going to get. We don't get as much Peter Pan in this film as we no, should. No, but because Tinkerbell has been really enduring for Disney, mm-hmm. you know, and I think is possibly the most iconic character in this, mm-hmm. we don't get much. Yeah. It's kind of surprising. He finds his shadow and they tussle for a bit and they wake up the kids and Wendy's all very excited. She proper fangirls over everything. And Peter just says, uh, girls talk too much. And I get irrationally and that's angry. that's like one of the first things we hear him say to another person. You're just like, this is some really great uh, development of our protagonist that we're supposed to like. Peter Pan would never. No, I do like Tink's angry red glow as well when like she, you know, uh, Wendy goes to kiss Peter or something. You know, Mm -hmm. she's so jealous and I really like that. Yeah. He says, so he obviously, one of the things that we know about Peter as a character is that he likes to crow over himself. Yeah. He thinks he's the cleverest person in the world. And so when Wendy sews his uh, shadow back on for him, instead of saying girls talk too much, what he does is he crows over the cleverness of me. Yeah. And Wendy says, oh, I suppose I did nothing. And then he says, Wendy, one girl is more use than 20 boys. So to him saying girls talk too much, I say Peter Pan would never. No, and you're right. <laughs> Who is this? Again, he comes across quite misogynistic when actually he seems to have in the book far more awareness of the importance of respect for women. For everyone. Yeah. He acts like a gentleman whenever he's with Wendy and it's one of the things that he likes to... Which he to... really doesn't do in this. Well, it's one of the things he likes to play at is being a grown-up yeah. and he likes the idea of being able to play at it and being able to stop whenever he wants to. Yeah. So he's he's come here specifically for her stories. He likes them because they're all about him. Mm-hmm. And then she says, well, you know, there will be no more stories because I'm moving out of here. So this is when he decides to kidnap her. Yes, he says she's growing up t- too quickly, so it's time to go. And... You know, she says no because, you know, my mother would miss me. And he says, mother, what's mother? And Wendy explains. So he says, uh, I can be the mother. 
Oh no. Oh, he says, he says oh, you can be our mother. mother. And she's like, okay. And yeah, this is the bit. So Tink is triggered by the kiss. This is how she opens herself out and, you know, comes flying at Wendy. We don't get our acorn. No. This upsets me a lot. What's I the did... acorn? A kiss. Acorn and a thimble. Okay, I don't know that. So Wendy tries to give him a kiss yeah. and he said, he puts his hand out and he yeah. says, what's a kiss? And she says, well, don't you know? And he says, well, I'll know when you give me one. Yeah. And he has his hand out and she's like, right, okay. So she gives him the thimble that she was wearing to sew his, his shadow back on. Yeah. And he says, well, shall I give you a kiss now? And she closes her eyes and she's waiting for the kiss. And he puts an acorn in her hand. Fair enough. And she wears it around her neck. Cool. And it's what stops her from being murdered when she gets to Neverland. And we're just going to not do any of that, I guess. We get the great bit where everyone kind of wakes up and we get, you know, what is this? It's this, it's this. And John goes, amazing. Oh, yeah. It's a fairy. It's a boy. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it. the way he's like, I'd like to challenge buccaneers. I really like John's depiction of like, he's very much his dad in waiting. He's got the same voice. He's obviously still a kid, but he knows that he's established within society in his role mm -hmm. so he speaks like this but he's still got like I, I want to fight the buccaneers i say i'll have a swashbuckling time yeah well and as the oldest son of a you know a gentleman yeah that is what he would be expected to be like there was a version of this script for this movie where john didn't get to go because he was too serious they leave him behind that would have been really funny it would have been really funny because john is my least favorite of the darlings yeah, he doesn't get as much, but I, I mean, I, I think it looks really funny. We got him in his Scrooge, like in his dress, um, dressing nightgown, nightgown, yeah. and he's got like the top hat and the umbrella. Like, oh yes, I absolutely need to take my top hat and brolly to uh, Neverland. Mm -hmm. You know, it's silly, but and it's such an iconic look as well. I don't think it's ever described specifically, no. but it's used so repeatedly in yeah. versions of Peter Pan. It's so I know, interesting. It's in is peter pan doesn't remember how to fly mm -hmm. um but we get the bit where he's like you know and we we get the start that you can fly you can fly you can fly sequence and he remembers well, he can just do it yeah and he's like you need this oh but you also need uh a little bit of dust a little bit of dust and you know i like the way he spanks tink for dust <laughs> He shakes her to get the dust. But out. he does like yeah. he like taps yeah. her like a ketchup bottle. I like the bit where you know you've got Wendy go. He can he 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 can fly. John goes he can fly, and then Michael goes he flew. He flew. <laughs> um, they all say what they're thinking of, which foreshadows their Neverlands and what there is going to be their happy thought. I'll think of a mermaid's lagoon. I'll think of pirates, mm -hmm. and then Michael says, "I think I'll be an Indian brave." Yeah, and so. That's the version of the Indians that we get. It's but again, Michael's version. it comes down to the exoticism of that from people mm. at the time. You know, they're seen as this exotic thing to be and it completely devoids the point, which maybe that's not that I'm going to defend what we have because there is no defending it. It's not necessary. But maybe they take on that form because that's how this little child sees them. However, this is fiction. You can make it be that that child sees it as whatever you want. Exactly. So... I no, I I agree, and I you know I think that it's a huge issue, mm -hmm. but I think this is very much why we get it. Even then, no, it wouldn't be because the mermaids that Wendy wants to meet wouldn't be in line with her view of mermaids, would they? Seeing as they tried to drown her, so no. But every female character that Wendy encounters is a romantic rival. Yeah, yeah, true. I really like how um, when the pixie dust gardens john tries to inspect it to look at what it is mm -hmm. 
and as if he's going to know anything about it yeah they all start flying off and nana's jumping up and down barking and she wants to join and it's so sad and michael like dusts her and you see her start to fly up it's so sad he's like come on nana come on Mm. and i like the kind of as we transition from these guys singing you can fly we get like a weird train noise as it starts to go to the adults Mm -hmm. and you know i really like the flying around things you know peter skating on the geese and tink nearly getting eaten by the fish you know it's it's really fun as a it does feel like the most like magical part of this yeah you know going through the familiar with london but also having this otherworldly thing mm-hmm. they land on big ben and they they kind of change the time a little bit by all standing on the uh, clock hand and then we get the second star to the right and straight on till morning. Yeah. And they fly off and we get that nice transition into Neverland. And we get Pirate's Life. Mm-hmm. Not the best version of a Pirate's Life. No. I was hoping this would be the yo ho yo ho a Pirate's Life for me. And like that was the origin of where that came from and was then used for Pirates of the Caribbean. No, it was written for the ride, I believe. Yeah, I, I I saw this on the set list. And I was like, oh, cool, we're going to get a Pirate's Life. And we just get this. Yeah. It, it's no odd oh, flag means death, is it, with these pirates? Hmm. And they also kind of have, like, slight racial depictions mm-hmm. as well. So I'm not really a, a fan of all of them. Um, I do like how they're all throwing knives at, like, this caricature of the captain. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see that they don't like Hook. And obviously we learn through this that Smee and the crew all just kind of want to leave Neverland and get back to pirating. Yeah. I do really like Hook's double cigar that he's smoking. You know, it's like got one in both. You know, a little cigar thing in both things. I thought that's a cool little design. Yeah, it's like a... It's like Cruella so, Deville's cigarette holder Yeah, but he's thing. got like two. And we look at the map... And he's like, I don't know where Pan lives. Blast it, Pan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he's looking at all these different places that it could be. We've checked out here. We've One of the places is Cannibal Cove. Yes. I'm really glad we don't see Cannibal Cove because... The drawing on the map is bad enough. The drawing on the map is bad enough. But, I mean, we know what it would be. And we know that it would be on par with the depiction of... The Native American characters. Mm-hmm. The fact that like Pirates of the Caribbean 2 had this cannibal storyline as well. Yeah. And that was 2006, 2005. Mm-hmm. And we had that. You know, God knows what we'd have had here. Yeah. But Hook plans to get Tiger Lily because they think they can persuade her to give them Pan's location. And as he's talking, we have that accordion player up in the crow's nest and he shoots him dead so is this the first disney film where we've seen a straight-up murder at this point yes we didn't see we saw attempted murder with snow white but it was quite like it wasn't violent she ate an apple and we saw obviously the the witch fall the queen fall pinocchio nothing Pinocchio's just terrifying on its own. Nothing in Dumbo. Nothing in Cinderella. 
So this is the first murder we've seen. I guess Snow White counts as the first murder. Not a murder because she's not technically dead. She just appears dead. It's like a sleeping potion. Yeah. It, it's a good way to introduce Hook as ruthless, that even people who are on his side. Mm-hmm. I don't like the way Smee is like, cutting your hand off was only a childish prank. It's like, geez. Like, that's quite that's tr- true, though. I know, but if Smee really does feel like he he's on Peter's side, like there's quite a few interactions where he's like, oh, it's Peter Pan. You know, he's really excited to see Peter. And it it's like, yeah, okay, you might see it as a childish prank, but this guy doesn't. Yeah, but... Peter doesn't know. I don't know how to explain. He doesn't. He's not aware of consequences for actions. Because yeah. if you think about one of the lines that we get when the Lost Boys are captured by the Native Americans is that it's all a game. Yes. When they capture them, they let them go and vice versa. So Peter thinks everything should be the same as that. So when he cuts off Hook's hand, he assumes it will just be there again the next time they fight. Yeah. And it's not, obviously. It's probably his first ever cause and effect. Yeah. And instead of dealing with it, they mock him for it. Yep. I really do love the bit where we get the introduction to the TikTok croc. Mm-hmm. I love like the metronome noise of the and everyone goes and like you see Hook and like his moustache goes up and everything goes in that kind of rhythm and you see him swimming and you see his little tail go left, right, left, right. Mm-hmm. And it's really good to see at this point that Hook as a villain is terrified. It's not like a deus ex machina where they bring it in at the end. No, no. TikTok's there the whole time. And we know that TikTok is constantly stalking him and terrifies him. And it's really nice to see this vulnerability of Hook straight away. Because when we have him get his comeuppance at the end, it's not like, oh, look at them ridicule this character. This is always who he is. Mm-hmm. And I could imagine it'd be really disappointing with like a Gaston type character who no sells it the whole time. And then at the end is reduced to this blubbering wreck. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, there's no character integrity there. So I really like it the way this whole sequence goes. So Smee shoes off the croc and then says, we're going to calm your nerves, Captain. Let's have a nice shave. So he puts him down. He puts the towel on his head. This is a really long interlude. We've had a long bit of Pan. Now we have a long bit with Hook. And it feels like this is how the story goes. We have Pan, Hook, Pan, Hook, and bits where they come together. But Smee's going to give Hook a shave. And then this bird just comes and lands and gets his butt shaved off. The poor seagull, yeah. And I I love the way the seagull just flies off, like, at the end. Just, like, really, like, oh! Is the, the tonic that he puts on afterwards that hurts her... Yeah, because it's her, isn't it? She's got like a... I mean, it's a seagull. She has eyelashes, though. Yeah. I think she's encoded as a female seagull. Yeah. but Disney loves to stick eyelashes on animals so yes. that we know which ones are girls. That's what I mean, exactly. And then you have the funny bit where Smee thinks he's cut off Hook's head and everything goes wrong. And then he's like, oh, there's your head, Captain. He tries to pull it off and reattach it. And it's like, no, it's just Captain Hook. Mm-hmm. And then they spy uh, Pan and they start to attack with a nice bit of the cannonballs leave a hole in the clouds. Yep, which is really nicely painted. Yeah. Uh, Pete tells Tink to... Don't call him Pete. Peter tells Tink to get them to safety and she flies off as fast as she can. And when he's like, stop, stop, I can't see you. 
We can't keep up with you. Yeah. And then she goes in and she causes all this chaos with the Lost Boys. Yeah. So Tinkerbell is a fairy. Fairies are only big enough to have one emotion at a time. Yes. And so her current emotion, well, her emotion for the majority of this film is jealousy. Yeah. Although I do like the bit where she goes red because she's so angry. I like this bit here where she's trying to wake up the boys and she works. So she forces one of them to get hit on the head with a club and then it's like a cause and effect again that they all start fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, they're onesies. Did they skin animals for the, those onesies? I assume so. Yeah. Normally Lost Boys are dressed in... I like the way the Lost Boys are dressed in Hook. I don't like the way the Lost Boys are dressed here. Yeah. With, like, Outside of the skunk, I like the little skunk boy. I like that, I like that only because he can rock on the tail However, of However, the problem is he looks too much like the skunk from Bambi. Yeah. Well, they only know how to draw one kind of animal. That's what I mean. Is it's, I, I just don't like them being in animal skins. Yeah. Well, um, and I wish they were all dressed like, not like necessarily Victorian or Edwardian children, but like children from decades past kind yeah. of thing. I think, yeah, you Would could... be cool. But, I mean, so one of them is called Slightly. It's the blonde one. Yeah. Who's the fox, I think. Yeah. Do you know why he's called Slightly? Why? Because when he shows up in Neverland, Peter has to make up names for all the yes, boys. Yes, I know that. When Slightly showed up in Neverland, his name was written in the shirt that he was wearing, and yeah. it said Slightly Soiled. Oh, And that's his name. I don't like the bear, Lost Boy. He's my least favourite. It's because he has the worst voice. Yeah, it's exactly Cubby. that. Yeah. yeah. I really don't like him. But um, Tinkerbell tells them that, you know, we have to go attack this person because they're coming to hurt Peter. Mm-hmm. So they go and they, you know, they shoot Wendy out the sky and Peter just saves her in time. And as a result, Tink gets banished for a week. And I really like this bit where he's trying to talk to Tink and tell her off. And she's just like strutting around like she doesn't care mm-hmm. until he banishes her. Yes. Only for a week. Only for a week. But still. And really, we're only, she's only banished for like 12 hours. But if that. This then leads into the whole following the leader sequence where they're just going to have fun on Neverland. Yeah. I wonder why John is qualified to lead this party. You know, they're, they're hunting. Why is he qualified? He's just arrived. Because he's the oldest. He's just arrived. He doesn't know Neverland. Yeah, no, it's fully because he's the oldest of the Lost Boys, though. Yeah. I do like as they're walking along, like, this is a fun little song that we're following. The leader, the leader, the leader. I like the bit with um, the monkeys stealing his hat. And I like the bit where the bear sees Michael's bear and is all, like, shocked he's going to go slice them. So yeah. He gets the hit with the umbrella on the nose. Mm-hmm. I like the da-dun, da-dun, da-da-da-da-dun, da-dun, da-dun. Yeah, rhythm. this is also one of those songs where they have... A lot of racist language yes. that shows up. Like the first couple of verses are like, oh, we're children playing a very fun game. Yeah. And then the second half is like, let's go murder some savages. And then and that's, that's the just bit, where it goes. That's the bit where it stops being fun. I think for me, I really like the following the leader, the leader, the leader. And then we go, da-dum, da-dum. I like the rhythm to it, but I would get rid of the uh, lines where possible. 
Just the rest of it is so unnecessary. Ultimately, John proves me wrong. He is not qualified to lead this hunt because he leads them into an ambush. Yeah. You know, Michael is stalked by a tree and then they're all captured. Nobody listens to Michael ever. No, nobody listens to him because he tries to get in the middle of the circle and they're all kicking him out. And the cutest thing here is that Michael's little bear is tied up separately. Yeah. And obviously we have this bit, you know, the allusion to this is a game, you get us, we get you. But this time, no, this is not going to happen because we know that they're here as prisoners because the chief thinks they have Tiger Lily and they are told if Tiger Lily is not brought back to them by midnight, they Mm -hmm. will be killed. We cut back to Wendy and Peter, and Wendy wants to meet the mermaids. This feels very much like Peter is just showing off, like, these are all my girlfriends. Yeah. And he knows, again, it's weird because it feels like he knows the danger he's putting Wendy in, but he doesn't care. Mm. You know, I like the bit where um, they're all trying to drown her, and, you know, Peter's just laughing until Wendy goes to hit them with a crunch and then he's like no 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 stop it's just a game it's like careful what you wish for wendy yeah i also find it very weird that some of the mermaids have bras on and some of them don't yeah because they are clearly older mermaids they're definitely the mermaids from fantasia because at this point in the disney making world they are still they reuse animation yeah, you know you it's a, kind of a hassle because this is all hand drawn yeah and there's nothing wrong with it i mean it gets a lot more egregious later on with like jungle book and robin hood oh yeah for sure but here specifically i think the reason why they look so much older is because they are the mermaids from this is it. and it's just kind of jarring as well because they're quite shapely and you know they're jealous of this preteen girl uh, Peter spies Hook, who has Tiger Lily, and we see the croc in pursuit. Mm-hmm. And then we see Skull Rock, which looks just like... I really love the design of Skull Rock, but it is also kind of like the same place that we have in The Rescuers, where the gem is. Like I'm sure it's not exactly the same animation, but it looks similar. And also, do you remember in Winnie the Pooh's Grand Adventure... When they're going to Skull to find Christopher Robin. Yeah. And it's, it looks exactly the same. It's like the same generic Skull Island that Disney always use. Mm-hmm. But I really like it. And then we just get this the first real exchange between Peter and Captain Hook that we see. Yes. Where, you know, he, he spooks Hook and Smee. He impersonates Hook to get Smee to release Tiger Lily. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you get like this whole mistaken identity sequence... You know, the humour of Smee saying to Tiger Lee, I knew the captain would come to his sense eventually. You know, you know, you were never going to tell us where Pan is. You probably don't know. And then Hook sees him and goes, where, do you, where are you taking her? Doing what you said, Captain. And he kicks the boat with such, like, force that he ends up back where he was. Yep. And then he listens in and he hears Pan's voice. And we have that nice bit where Peter's, like, relaxed. And he's he covers his head with his hat and you see hook climbing and stalking him i thought it was a really cool shot yeah i wish they would have kept more of this sort of creepy element to this story but they yeah kind of all we got here 
I, I, this is the bit as well where Smee's like, oh my gosh, it's, it's Peter Pan. He's like really excited to see Peter. Yeah. Which feels a little weird that your villain sidekick is so like pro Peter. Well, if we're working with the narrative that all of the pirates are lost boys. Yeah. That ended up here. Then Smee has been here for longer than Hook because he's older than him. That's true. You've got some nice, like, interactions here. Like, it's very slapstick comedy as well, you know. Um, the bit where they're duelling and Peter walks off the edge and Hook follows Hook him. keeps following him, yeah. Until he realises that he's in a Looney Tunes cartoon and falls. Mm-hmm. You have the bit where he's clutching on and you have the weird Home Alone scream. Yeah. And then, you know... The Willem... Wilhelm? Yeah, it's not a Wilhelm scream. It's the goofy scream. Yeah, but it sounds like there's other bits like it sounds like um, Daniel Stern's yell when the tarantula gets put on his head in Home Alone. Mm. You get the croc coming and the croc is obviously like biting at that hook and gets his, his trousers and everything and ruffles him up a little bit. You know, he wants some codfish. And he actually has hook, like hook falls off and gets right into the belly and you have this whole like hijinks of captain hook trying to escape the jaws of the crocodile and you know hook runs off like swimming running and peter crows in success and nearly forgets tiger lily is drowning mm-hmm. and goes and saves her but he leaves wendy behind yes he does and wendy has to awkwardly fly so again we established that he doesn't really have this respect for wendy that he should have she's forgettable she's a passing fancy to him yeah well and you know another peter pan thing that i don't think has ever been done well yeah in a film is that he forgets things all the time and that's why he doesn't come back for wendy for such a long time is because he's sort of forgotten that she exists yeah and tink's not going to remind him so he's he just forgets stuff yeah which is absolutely fair you know like yeah i think it's quite a nice thing to include yeah. So after all of this, we go back and we see Hook with a water bottle on his head and his feet in the water and he's got like this bad cold and headache. Yeah. Smee tells everyone to keep quiet as he's hammering the door and then he gives Hook a concussion mm-hmm. and, you know, he's just lying Probably there. Probably with... made his headache go away. Yeah. He talks about there's women trouble, which inspires Hook's plan because he mentions that Pan has banished Tink. Mm-hmm. So Hook has this plan that he sends me to find tinkerbell and then we get that whole sequence we're not going to talk about i mean one of the things i'm just going to say other than the whole smoking from the peace pipe thing which i don't like the color of uh, john's face like with dumbo like with pinocchio i really don't like that sequence i really hate the uh chief sign language yeah because it's it's really, I mean, there's a lot of bad things, but that is... It's very obviously based on traditional hand signs, but yeah. in a way that's just completely fictional. But it's the way he does the bit where, like, he has his middle, you know, the bit where you interlock your hands and wiggle your fingers. I just really dislike it. And it just furthers the nasty stereotype of these characters, I think. Mm-hmm. So we're moving all forward because I'm not interested in talking about this sequence. The only thing that really matters is that you see Wendy starts to get really disillusioned. Yeah. And obviously sees the romance between Tiger Lily and Peter. 
So she goes home to the uh, hideout. But Smee also captures Tinkerbell. He says, sorry, Miss Bell. And I love that. takes her to Hook. And, and again, Hook is really calm. He's playing the piano. He addresses her as Miss Bell and says, we're leaving. And he has no ill will towards Peter. And he manipulates Tinkerbell brilliantly by talking about how you mean somebody's stolen your place. Well, listen, we're leaving anyway. So how about we kidnap this girl so that you can just resume your life as it always has been? Mm-hmm. So Tinkerbell agrees to show the hideout on the provision that Hook promises not to lay a hand or, or a hook on Peter. And he agrees on his honour. But then once she's signalled the location, he uh, traps her and off we go. Mm-hmm. Wendy's annoyed with Peter and all the nonsense is kind of like done with all of this and says we're leaving. He's like, you can't leave. You know, yeah, not going to happen. Which again feels quite like nasty yeah but he's being a spoiled child at this point you know he's not got what he's wanted so he's gonna go sulk mm-hmm. michael's already forgotten about their mother but he does remember nana though he thinks nana's their mother which actually which is probably more true to be honest yeah we get your least favorite song that isn't a song filled with racism your mother and mine yeah, yeah. it's where wendy sounds significantly older i know it's just because the actress who's voicing her is older at this point than when she was in alice in wonderland however she is she has a very mature singing voice yeah and it does take me out of it i think it's quite a nice sequence watching all the kids kind of fall asleep and have what they were missing out on Mm -hmm. i especially like the juxtaposition with the pirates stalking the tree and you know you see smee crying and he's got a tattoo that says mother Mm-hmm. mother but yeah because they can all hear it from upstairs but i i do quite like this sequence it's not the worst song in this for me but you're right about her voice that maybe they should have found somebody younger to sing it but then it doesn't work because the point is that she sounds like a grown-up you know maybe yeah and it's like she the reason neverland isn't what she'd hoped is because she actually is more grown up now yeah so Michael wants to see his mother. John agrees and they all want to leave. Peter says go, but warns them if they leave, they can never come back. And Wendy says, I don't think my mum will mind having all these lost boys. I think she will. I think Wendy's just getting their hopes up. There's no way all of them would be adopted. How dare you? <laughs> Is that what actually happens? Yeah. Really? They adopt all the lost boys. I had no idea. Yeah, you wouldn't because this film... <laughs> Doesn't do that. They disappear, don't they? They, they just... fully disappear. At the end of the film, Wendy gets up and she's like, Mother, we came back. Uh, the Lost Boys didn't, though. They've gone back to Neverland because they're not quite ready to grow That's up. That's because Peter like, needs a crew. You what? <laughs> Peter needs somebody to fly the ship. There'll be somebody new in like 10 seconds. Right. Just wait. But they all leave into an ambush. And you get this great bit where Smee says, wouldn't it be more humane to slit his throat? Yep. And Hook says i gave my word i wouldn't lay a finger or a hook on peter pan so he drops this bomb in a present box down there which is you know true he's keeping his word we get the captain hook song from the pirates Mm. yo ho yo ho 
terrible Captain Hook. I mean, they say you get a free tattoo for signing up, and I really love the waving Jolly Roger on that pirate's bicep. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Did they learn this song and choreography just for recruitment purposes? Mm-hmm. It's cool. Just I, in case. Just in case. All the boys rush to sign up, and Wendy's like, what are you doing? Peter Pan will save them, and they're like, well, no, we, we're told it's this will walk the plank. And everyone starts laughing. Hook laughs. It's like, yeah, Pan's not coming because it's a bomb. And we cut and we see Peter's presence says, you know, thank you from Wendy. Um, open at 6 a.m., mm-hmm. I'm assuming. And I'm assuming it's 6 p.m. I think it's got to be 6 a.m. because I think this is the morning after. Because we saw them in bed. The last thing happened at night. These kids aren't getting up that early. No, because I think they're tied up. I don't think they... I think they've been tied I just think it's natural by the time they get back to the ship, it's 6am. Okay. I, I, I don't think they'll have been tied up for that long. You know, like... Mm. It, it, whatever. Tinkerbell hears this plan and she breaks out of the... Her lantern. Lantern prison and flies all through Neverland to get to Peter. Peter won't listen to her. And... Uh, the bomb goes off and Peter's like, Tink, Tink, where are you? Don't go out. And we just see her light kind of like pulsing and slowing down. Yeah, look, it's very dramatic to have the bomb go off yeah. and all that. And actually, I do like the animation of Peter crawling through the wreckage yes. and everything. But Hook poisoning him is so much scarier. Yeah. I think this is more cartoony, but also it feels like we're missing a chunk of story in between that and Pan coming here. Because we just see Pan and Tink. Well, we're missing the bit where you have to clap to keep that's Tink what, alive. But that's, that's what I mean. Is it, it feels noticeably that we're missing something here. Mm-hmm. You know, the story just rushes forward. Because the next thing we see after this, he's like, don't go out, Tink. And then Wendy's walking the plank and they're waiting and there's no splash. And we just see Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. They're just okay. And I'm like, yeah, more story. Mm-hmm. Uh, only Michael is excited to see Wendy, I think is funny. You know, I get why the Lost Boys would be happy to see Peter. But why isn't John happy to see his sister? He doesn't really care. No. He's not fussed that she exists. You know, and we, we get the, the, the fight sequence here. I like that uh, Michael loads his teddy with a cannonball and he's struggling to bring it and then you see the sweat as john is trying to hoist him up mm-hmm. into the crow's nest um smee is packing his things and leaves which is really funny he knows this is lost and you obviously have the sequence where they fight on top of the sail with hook playing on pan's ego you know <laughs> it's like you know yeah don't fly away then you coward and hook nearly has him until Peter just one-ups him, you know, and Hook begs for mercy and goes to strike him whilst his back is turned and he falls right into the crocodile's mouth. We get more of the crocodile hijinks, the smee sequences. In As he, like, bounces, bounces off the sm- like a skimmer, yeah. yeah. I thought that was hilarious. And it's a really great exit for Captain Hook. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like he certainly got his comeuppance. Yeah, he always gets chased off into the distance. I think it's good because he hasn't explicitly died. So if you ever want to explore the issue of a sequel... It's one of those we're blasting off again moments. Yes. I think it's something that bugs me with with the MCU and the DC films is how quick they are to always kill their villains. Mm. Which means that they can't really come back, which is a shame. 
you know, unless you're Loki, in which case you can die as much as you want and you're never truly gone. But I'm glad here that Disney didn't kill off Captain Hook because then if they decide to want to do more, they could. Mm-hmm. They uh, take over his, his ship, the Jolly Roger. He's Captain Pan. And he's setting a course for London. And, Tink- and again, he's acting like a gentleman. He is. This is where it feels like this is the pan we should have. Mm-hmm. He's dressed in Captain Hook's clothes. Uh, Tinkerbell goldens the, the the ship and they start flying. You know, I, I like the bit where we have the ending. Mr. Darling's changed his mind. But again, the ending feels very rushed and quick in compact. Like, like with Dumbo. It just happens mm-hmm. wendy's not in her bed where is she oh she's at the window ledge you know i like that small little uh like are they not back in time and they are and everyone sees the ship mr darling recognizes the ship and we get the kind of fun the the, the final bit of you know star on the right mm-hmm. and credits yeah where are the lost boys? <laughs> Where are the lost boys? They are lost. I, I mean, I guess it might be more difficult to put all those different boys in this one location, you know, animating wise. I don't know. I mean, if people on YouTube can do it. Yeah, that's nowadays. Yeah, well, I guess. Who is your MVP in this version of Peter Pan? Tinkerbell. I am surprised that Tinkerbell is used very sparingly in this she's so petty and i love her she's petty (laughs) i do really like her but i do prefer the crocodile i think the crocodile is great also petty the bit where like he slaps his hand on the water yeah i thought okay and my smee tells him to go away and he turns around and is like fine yeah the croc is my mvp because i really enjoyed every sequence where he was on the screen they introduced him in um the Tinkerbell movies as well. Really? Yeah, he's called TikTok. Nice. He's really cute. And it, but it's him when he's a baby. Aww. Yeah. That's so cute. Mm-hmm. Which role would you want to play in this one? Peter Pan. You'd want, yeah, I knew you'd say Peter Pan and I would want to play Hook. Yeah. I still think Hook is cool. Like, I could really have fun, like, being the villain. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is live action Peter Pan, I'd want to be Hook all the time. Although I would also want to be Mr. Darling, you know, with the whole, like, I'd want to be both those characters. Well, next week, you might get your chance. Yes, we'll talk about that in a second. What's your skip song? Other than What Makes. Yeah, they could have just deleted that straight out, yeah. but then it's Your Mother and Mine. For me, it's A Pirate Life. Just mm-hmm. felt it was disappointing as a, as a pirate shanty. Mm-hmm. But my, my best song is You Can Fly. But Mine's specific, the second star to the right. I do really like that one, but I love the bit where they're flying and you have the adult chorus... So before we give our ratings and I ask you if your opinion has changed on this one, we're going to go over to Twitter and Instagram where we got some of the most interaction we've ever had, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So on Twitter, 17% of people said I've never seen it. 17% of people said it's okay. 67% of people said yes, uh, they were fans. Nobody voted no, they didn't like this one mm-hmm. on Twitter. I was really looking forward to hearing what Tony at Theatre Flashback 1 would say because I know he's been looking forward to this one. He talked about it on our year in review. 
And he said, yay, I've been looking forward to this so much. Yes, of course, it has issues and these need addressing. Having said that, this is probably my favourite classic Disney animated film. I love the drawings, the colour, the backgrounds. This is Disney animators at their very best. The voice talents in this film are absolutely perfect. Bobby Driscoll as Peter, Hans Conried as villainous, so villainous as Hook, and the gorgeous Catherine Beaumont as Wendy. Disney legends love, love, love it. Their characters are so great. Peter is perfectly drawn and developed. I always wanted to be him. Never grow up. I even dress as him at school. Hook is hysterical. Smee makes me laugh and smile. Wendy is strong, brave and bossy. Love her. Tinkerbell is the greatest, though. Mm-hmm. Tinkerbell is the greatest. Tinkerbell is the greatest. And I do really like Smee. You know, I think Smee does make you laugh and smile. Mm-hmm. He's a good sidekick in the fact that he's not here for any of the villains. Like, nonsense. nonsense yeah and he Smee is always like this yeah in every version he's always like my dude <laughs> you I need like to chill sm- out it's a 10 year old like i do like the Smee and hook mm-hmm. so that you know is that one yeah their relationship's great at michael underscore look said the second star to the right is a real heart stir a lovely lush string arrangements throughout the score beautiful and dreamlike which i think is very true actually like when you have the adult choir the adult chorus it does go really well mm-hmm at Lou Reviews blog said the score is fantastic and the animation is top notch. And Nana the dog is one of the top animal creations of the studio. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Love Nana. I love that her ears work like additional limbs. <laughs> yeah, Nana is absolutely one of my favourite things of this film, and I really hope they find a way to translate that into this new version that's coming out on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. I'd be really disappointed. It's a shame Nana isn't in more of it, but again, I understand why. Will Nana feature in your? Um, D&D campaign, or is that a no-no? She is in there. Yay. I'm going to get a pet dog. You're not. <laughs> On Instagram, 8% of people said I've never seen it. 15% of people said it's okay, I wasn't hooked. Mm-hmm. 15% of people said no, blast that Peter Pan. 62% of people said yes, it can fly. So really overwhelming positive. We heard from Princess underscore parties underscore Glasgow. Yay. And of course, Laurie just sent hearts. We, I knew she's going to love this one. Like she just is Tinkerbell. She is Tinkerbell. She's great as Tinkerbell as well. She's great as Rapunzel, but and and Elsa and Anna and every princess. But I think Tinkerbell is the one I most resonate her as. Mm-hmm. That's because that's her, the first time you saw her. Well, it was, I hadn't. I mean, I mean, I'd seen her in her normal Laurie attire, and then we did Comic Con a few days later when she was. No, when we first started dating, oh yeah, no, you I saw insta-stalked her as... me, yes, and you found pictures of me as Peter Pan and Laurie as Tinkerbell. Yeah, no, I did. That's true. That mm-hmm. is true. Dark Victory says, "I think the first one is okay, but I love, love, love the second one." Yeah, I'd say that could be a controversial comment, but I think our comments throughout this episode have probably been far more controversial. Mm-hmm. And then Elena. Uh, via her vintage Broadway account said oh man I have great memories of watching this as a child I'm also a fan of the musical and I still have my VHS copy starring Kathy Rigby yep did this change your mind at all no if anything it's made me like the other versions more (laughs) what's your star rating overall for this one one really yeah and that one is literally just for Tinkerbell I don't want to give it two stars, but I feel like it is a two stars for me. I find it really difficult to justify it being higher because of 
the problematic stuff and there's things I really didn't like in this, like the depiction of Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the songs are all that great either. Yeah. I really like the sequences with Captain Hook and Smee and TikTok. And they save it for me. Mm-hmm. So if I really had to think about the pros versus cons of this one, I think I'm going to have to say it's it's two stars for me. Yeah. It's definitely better than Dumbo, so I feel like it's possibly two and a half stars. But it feels really weird that I gave Pinocchio four stars and I'm giving this one less. So I think I'm going to have to stick to my guns and just say it's two stars for Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the Disney Peter Pan. Yep. What are we watching next week? Next week, we are going to watch the Kathy Rigby musical of Peter Pan. Yes, it's a double bill here on It's a Musical podcast. Mm-hmm. This was released in the year 2000. Yes. Kathy Rigby is amazing and just such good casting. Yeah. Is it the same musical as Peter Pan Live that we saw? Or is it a different musical? Type yes, musical? but there is one less song because they added a song for the live yeah so i'm really excited to watch that i think it's a fitting way you know you've had your birthday and you never want to grow up so we're gonna have some peter pan goodness and hopefully this will cleanse your palate after this week but it'll be interesting for me to see which one i prefer because Mm -hmm. this is i feel like peter pan could and hasn't but could have hit cinderella levels of you know adaptation after adaptation after adaptation yeah so maybe this musical is quite definitive in comparison to other cinderellas yeah who knows as always you can get involved in the conversation over on twitter and instagram at it's a musical pod or email us on it's a musical pod at gmail.com you can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms we are available on apple podcasts on spotify on google podcasts on the Amazon Music app under the podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our IG hosts, Podbean. And if you like the show, why not leave us a review? Head on over to any of those great platforms where you can leave us a review or head over to podchaser.com. Mm-hmm. Until next week, where we again head second star to the right and straight on till morning, we will see you the same pan base, same pan channel. Have a magical musical Monday.